You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and find us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Our guest today is Jess Marion, who has been on the show before and who we think is fantastic. Today, Jess and Carlos are going to be talking about a new endeavor of theirs called Sacred Medicine Journeys, which is a wonderful service and opportunity for the world at large. Uh, So let's get into it. Sacred Medicine Journeys. All right, Carlos. Satya. We're here for another uh, authenticity episode, and um, they're all unique in their own special way. This one's pretty special because um, not only do we have Jess Marion back with us, who we've interviewed before, um, but I'm sort of interviewing both of you tonight because the two of you have started an amazing new project, uh, a service for people, Sacred Medicine Journeys. Why don't you uh, take a moment and just kind of explain what you're doing, and then we can start getting into questions. Yeah. Well, uh, Jess and I are extremely excited about it because um, it's a it's a source for, for us as a personal on a personal level for for growth and and journey and just the, the ability to share the experience with other people. Um, and so we. Uh, we have a, a way of actually getting in touch with us. So it's, it's just sacredmedicinejourneys.com. Simple. It's journeys plural. So there's an S in there. Journeys with an S. Uh, but you'll see it immediately. Uh, she's done a lovely job on on uh, creating and building the site, and, and we're pretty happy with it so far. Um, so, yeah, Jess? Well, thank you so much, guys. I'm so happy to be here and sharing this project with Carlos. Uh, medicine work is a really transformational and profound experience and it's something that we want to share with as many people as is appropriate because it has the potential to change people's lives for the better and you know maybe change the world a little bit all right all right Mm. so let's kind of kind of get into what exactly this service is that you're doing for people um before we dive into some juicy questions about it um what is sacred medicine journeys? What are you offering? Mm. Well, first of all, um, let's just say it's under the category of healing for sure. Okay. Right. This is, this is uh, essentially a healing retreat. So it would involve, um, you know, Jess and my, uh, many, many years of, um, coaching work. Uh, obviously, you know, many people know that we do NLP and hypnosis and other healing modalities. And, all of that's bringing to bear on this uh, topic of um, the retreat, which will involve the use of sacred uh, substances. Um, we would call some people would call it psychedelics or um, entheogens. Um, you know, many many words for it, but these are medicines that can, if used properly, uh, really open up new perspectives, insights. Um, help people to solve problems and, and help them to get in touch with uh, what a clear path of healing, even through difficult, dark experiences in their life can be like. So it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of, a, sort of opens a door to let the light in. And because we're doing it in a facilitated way, it's not just random people 
um, ingesting substances and getting high. Uh, this is done uh, in a particular way that makes us pretty different, wouldn't you say, Jess? I absolutely agree, uh, because it isn't just about ingesting a substance. There's a lot that goes into this in terms of preparation and integration and utilizing multiple modalities, uh, things like body work, yoga, tai chi, to create a, a holistic healing experience that uh, our hope is going to be that it sets people up for a completely changed life after the retreat uh, so that they are in a new place to continue growth and self-work and they'll uh, gain skills that they'll be able to take into the rest of their lives. Wow. There is not enough of this out there. Mm -mm. <clears throat> there there's not enough. And uh, I cannot think of two more amazing humans to do this for people. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I, I am thrilled that you guys are, are doing this. I know um, I've heard conversations and I've, I've known that this is kind of something that's been <clears throat> kicked around a little bit. And uh, the fact that this is actually happening is super, super exciting. And so um, first big question, why are you doing this now? Wow. <laughs> well, if you've been paying attention to the news lately over the last couple of years, you'll notice that there's a lot of articles that keep showing up about research uh, into psychedelics opening back up again after like a almost 50 year ban on, on the research. Mm -hmm. And there are also a number of books and documentaries, uh, Netflix and on Vice. There are a lot of people touting the benefits of what a psychedelic facilitated experience can do for you. Uh, so why now? It's just, it's more like, why now publicly? You know, why now mm -hmm. uh, a little bit in the light rather than, you know, in, in I don't want to say back alleys, but, you know, like, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that sounds dramatic, but, but under the radar maybe is a better way of putting it. Lots of people, um, uh, shamans, healers, some psychotherapists, uh, and people like myself, uh, you know, have done these kinds of things below the radar because we believe in it. Mm -hmm. We always have believed in it, but it's starting to become socially acceptable to talk about this. People are, uh, I, I think, haven't you seen Jess that like, clients ask you about it? They're like, yes. Hey, I, you know, I, I did this psychedelic journey or I've tried this, or what do you think about taking psychedelics for healing. And, and so it's starting to become less taboo uh, as, as it becomes, um, you know, more and more pervasive in, in culture, that, mm -hmm. that psychedelic talk, and, and it's being referred to in movies and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So that's really why now. Uh, and we're at a point where uh, we both have been doing the coaching stuff for a long time, and, and we are really committed to that path of healing and helping as a facilitator. And so there's this tool that um, quite a lot of people don't know how powerful it really is like for as a force for good. And we're getting in kind of in, in, in the early stages of when this may become totally legal. We don't know what will happen in the next few years, mm -hmm. but it's, there are, um, bills being tossed around on a federal level yeah. and also on a local uh, city and state level. So thing, the, the tides are shifting, and we felt like if we're going to do it, we might as well get in now uh, on the above, above ground 
kind of mm-hmm. kind of situation, mm-hmm. and start offering this because it's dear to our hearts and it means a lot to us. And we've seen the power of what this can do. Um, we know that you know our hypnosis and NLP and all the other things we do is powerful too. Yeah, but there's really no substitute for this kind of work. I mean, you can get benefits doing lots of things, but I've never seen anything as powerful as combining the mindset tools with psychoactive substances like this. Yeah, yeah. And you know, um, there was a time when things like yoga were wacky ideas that were suddenly introduced to, to the United States and, 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 you know, places outside of um, the countries of origin, those mm-hmm. things, meditation, you know, like mm-hmm. today, here we are right now, it's, it's 2022. Mm-hmm. Things like yoga and meditation and, and anything in that genre uh, is just commonplace now. And it's not only commonplace, it's been researched a ton. Yeah. You can't read a book or an article from some doctor, psychiatrist, psychologist that's not talking about the benefits of doing these things. Um, So it sounds like this is kind of the next powerful revealing of something, Mm -hmm. you know, that that has, like you said, has been kind of in the shadows and um, doesn't really need to be. And um, this is thrilling that that you guys are going to be doing this. Um, Now... Uh, these are retreats. Yes. What makes these retreats a little different from what you know? Maybe maybe others are doing, and what people mm-hmm. might be thinking. Uh, well, there are a few elements that make this really unique. The first being Carlos and myself, our experience as coaches. Uh, we've both been coaching for a very long time, so we bring a therapeutic element that one might not necessarily get from other retreats where they have a number of facilitators but haven't been working one-on-one with clients for several years. Uh, The retreats themselves will be doing multiple journeys. And in between the journeys, we'll be doing different um, integration exercises, uh, different cultural and local experiences. We want to create this well-rounded transformative experience so that the medicine after the journeys or in between the journeys, that work continues to weave throughout the uh, client's experience. Because if uh, they're in one of the integration days, for example, and they're still thinking and processing and the medicine, although the substance has left their, their system, while they're with us, they're still going to be experiencing at some level the medicine. And if they have that experience with us, then beyond the time of the retreat, that will continue to benefit them. Okay. Yeah, and, and if I can continue on that um, that vein, um, the medicine experience, as we define it, is not just the substance. That's really, really important from the beginning to, to know that. So when we talk about the medicine experience, it's almost like uh, we're talking about the egregore of all the things that led up to and are continuing beyond the ingestion of the substance. So you're tapping into, you know, thousands of years of, um, of that egregore. There's tradition behind it. Mm-hmm. There's, um, you could say perhaps a psycho-spiritual, um, quality to when you enter into it with that kind of respect and mindfulness that there, there is a little something extra that goes beyond 
what you could easily put into words. Um, and that is something that carries with you. I, I find that personally from, from doing the work for, for a long time, um, that I feel in touch with the medicine, even when I'm not doing the medicine. So that's why when we say the medicine experience, we're, we're talking about everything before and after and during mm -hmm. the ingestion. Mm -hmm. So we're different because we're, we're not coming from say like an indigenous tribe where, you know, we specifically have been following a, um, an indigenous system of some kind, mm -hmm. but we're also not, you know, the clinical medical setting that you might see at Johns Hopkins or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's something else entirely what, what we're doing. Uh, and I don't see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of, um, this kind of thing happening. I see people here and there have, um, retreats where they might go, uh, into psychedelic tourism maybe, or they have 20 or 30 people in a, in a Maloka somewhere. And it's, um, they maybe have someone with a didgeridoo and somebody who gives out and it's just, you know, mass amounts of people taking ayahuasca or something like that. And I don't want to knock that. That's not really my intent, but there is a contrast there between those group situations like that and a smaller kind of a group where we're, mm -hmm. we're keeping it down to say five or 10 people at a time mm -hmm. uh, where you can really focus on um, individual needs. Uh, you can really watch what's going on and help facilitate that happening and be able to track that over several days. You know, if our retreats are anywhere between say, you know, six to eight days or something like that, we have a chance to do the medicine two or three times with those integration days in between. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to kind of extend that description, uh, her and I will be doing extensive interviewing before, yeah. as well as uh, there will be work that needs to be done prior to the experience so that the frame of mind of the people who are participating are set up for the, uh, for success. What we want is essentially for people to have an experience where they say, wow, I am so grateful that I made this choice. This has changed things for me. I see things differently. My life is different. Um, I will never forget this. Like if we want to impart that feeling so that by the end, they just feel like it was the best choice they could have made. Mm -hmm. It, it sounds like um, you're, you're, you're taking a, a very professional approach to it. You know, there's, there's uh, you know, assessment. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, there's a plan yeah. going into it. You know, there's, there's a plan for afterwards. Tracking yes. afterward, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Follow up. Um, it sounds like, um, you know, most people that have um, had psychedelic experiences, and this is what you see in the literature, right, is they usually describe it as a peak experience. It's yeah. one of the, the most significant experiences in their life. So it mm -hmm. sounds like you're preparing people for, for a peak experience that is made up of several peak experiences. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, sounds great. I love it. Um, so, okay, let, let's, let's shift here a little bit. Um, because of, uh, the legal history mm -hmm. and some of the social history, uh, around uh, these kinds of sacred medicines. Um, there are maybe maybe myths 
misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can get into some of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would be some, some myths that you think maybe kind of just, let's just get it out of the way. They need to be dispelled. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the myth that I've encountered is if you take a psychedelic one time, you're going to go crazy. You're going to lose your mind and it's permanent. Mm-hmm. This is not true at all. And the science shows that this is not true. Uh, while there might be a, a small group of individuals for whom sacred medicine is contraindicated, uh, for the like most of us, you know, ninety—I don't know—ninety-nine percent of us—that's uh, not an official number, guys. <laughs> uh, it's fine. Um, so that would be number one. You're not going to go crazy, and you're not going to die. Psychedelic sacred medicines are some of the safest substances known to mankind. Uh, There is no LD50, a lethal dose for 50% of the population. There is no known one for psilocybin mushrooms. And the one that's given for LSD, there's actually no proof for because they were basing it off of dosing an elephant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it was like LD100 and even that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yeah. Um, and, And you know, for for substances that can create, you know, let's face it, very powerful experiences, that's almost unheard of to have something that is that powerful yet is actually unbelievably safe, especially in the right mm-hmm. location with the right people under the right mm-hmm. circumstances. Yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of trailing off of that, um, there have been a, a lot of myths centered on the idea that uh, let's say, for example, take LSD and it's going to destroy your chromosomes. That was disproven a long time ago, but it still persists as a myth, even taught in um, medical schools and nursing schools, because they just didn't correct that. Uh, there are plenty of nurses I've heard that from, doctors I've heard that from. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it was based on uh, research that was done in a very unscientific way. If I remember correctly, they, they more or less poured liquid LSD on some chromosomes and say, hey, look, see, it damaged the chromosomes. But you could have done the same thing with caffeine or any other D- substance. Distilled water. Or sugar <laughs> sugar solution. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't really the way. That's not how you test that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Another one was in um, um, with MDMA, so methyl dioxide, or is it? Yeah, methyl dioxy, methamphetamine. Me- methylene dioxy. Methamphetamine. Yeah, it's yeah. methyl dioxymethamphetamine, something like that. Anyway, yes, right. Um, and they showed people with holes in their brain. Yes, yeah, oh my I, God, I, I remember that holes the in the brain. And they even showed images stuff, that yeah. were like computer-generated images of brains with areas of the brain that had holes in yeah, them. I remember seeing that on the news. Me too, and yeah, I saw posters. Yeah. I saw you know anti-drug posters because you know we grew up in the same time era where mm-hmm. or the era where. Um, the say no to drugs, you know, campaign, which still kind of continues to this day. But mm-hmm. uh, what they found out was that was a that was a lie. The the doctor who was doing that um, had switched the MDMA with uh, just straight up methamphetamine, yeah, meth. <laughs> and yeah. uh, they figured that out later because mm-hmm. they couldn't duplicate it, and mm-hmm. they didn't make a big deal of, of mentioning that. Oh, we screwed up. We made a mistake. That's not true. They just kept the myth mm-hmm. going. Um, so that's one thing is that people sometimes think, well, if I do this, I'll have irreparable damage to my brain. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is kind of trailing off the idea, I'm going to go insane if I do a psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they hear of the description, oh, it causes psychosis. And you're starting to get into really gray areas about what that means yeah. when you talk about psychosis. I mean, are you in psychosis when you're having a dream of doing something? Maybe, by that definition. Mm-hmm. But does that mean you are a psychotic? No, it means your brain has a wide range of things it can do. It doesn't mean it's doing that all the time. Uh, it means that you know when you take a psychedelic, you are in an abnormal state of mind for a while. Like for, during the duration of the experience, your brain is doing things that it, it normally doesn't do. It's doing some things that it does normally do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it eventually rebalances. And what happens on the other end of that is really significant. On the other end of that, uh, there's improvement in cognition. There's improvement in memory. There's improvement in disorders like migraines. Yeah, that's right. Migraine reduction. There's improvements in things like psoriasis, where I've seen some of the original photographs when they were doing research 50 years ago of uh, a woman's legs who were covered in, in psoriasis and she took LSD and it was like at a therapeutic dose. Mm-hmm. And the next pictures were her with practically no psoriasis on her legs whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of medical benefits here. And the state that you go into might feel a little crazy. Let's you know, admit the truth. When you're on a psychedelic, you're perceiving in an abnormal way. But if you put a, if you put a context and a, and a container and a frame around it, you can, you can see yourself and laugh about it and go, wow, I'm really perceiving things in a different way for a few hours. Mm-hmm. And there's no harm in that. On, on the contrary, it makes you feel more flexible, more capable of accepting the weirdness of life and the weirdness of your own mind. And I feel that, that the end result is you're more uh, stable. You're more able to accept yourself and the way things are. You, you go into a deeper sense of acceptance. It takes acceptance to go through a psychedelic experience because not all of it is comfortable. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, well, hey, uh, meditation retreats aren't comfortable. Oh, they're awful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but the results are so, great. Right, fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, um, so there you go. Okay, beautiful. Um, do you take the same medicines along with the participants? Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that. Like, yeah, um, that's different, the, isn't it, Jess? The, yes. the, the idea about that and uh, what, why is that? And um, I, I think people would be curious. This is actually a, 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 an approach that is different from a lot of the established retreats. Uh, and one of the reasons that we do it is that it's important for us to be at a similar level as those in the retreat because then our senses are going to be more open and more primed to pick up on what people are experiencing and who might need some assistance and who is having a really great time and we can just let them be. Uh, So we want to be on the same wavelength. Uh, We're both hypnotists. We would not do hypnosis without going into trance ourselves. And this Mm -hmm. is uh, the same. Okay. Yeah. And, and, And it's good that we're talking about this because... Um, I think someone who doesn't know or has a certain opinion, they may come into it with the idea that that's somehow not good. So let's just put that on the table. Right. There are people who think that's not a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, you're being irresponsible. How could you take these drugs, quote unquote? Mm-hmm. Um, how would you be able to track what's going on and, and make sure that everyone's safe? And isn't that a liability and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, and if you don't understand 
what the psychedelic experience really is and you have just a few judgments about it, that could seem correct. It could seem 100% uh, like a very arguable, defensible mm-hmm. place to be coming from. But having done this for more than three decades now and a lot of experience with it, I can tell you that um, it's very important to do it. It's very important to enter into that state. Um, like she said, you need to be able to be on the same wavelength and also show that proof in the pudding. Like, this is the work we're doing. I'm here too. I'm, spe- I'm not an outsider. So when I speak to you about what heavy thing you might be going through in the moment, you know that I'm speaking the truth because I'm right here with you and I've been through it myself. So it's, there's, there's not that clinical, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. disinfected sort of separation between the two of you. It's like we're, we're, we're there in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the dirt, digging the plants and right mm-hmm. there with you. You know, I, I, I like it. Um, and I'll share something. Um, you know, I'm an occupational therapist and my shirt says so. Motivate, see the OT, OT. occupational oh, nice. therapy. Love it. Um, when occupational therapists do uh, group sessions with clients, um, if we're working on a project, like for example, maybe um, maybe the group is working on some kind of collage, right? Mm-hmm. It is customary for the therapist to also make a collage. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, the fact that all people are engaging in a similar activity um, from a therapy perspective has value, right? It, it does affect the quality of the session. So as a therapist, I would say, right on. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's, that's great. You know, there, it, it is established that there are certain things that the therapist would be doing along with the clients. So this seems like that. Kind of seems yeah. like the approach. Definitely. Yeah. So if you look at um, indigenous practices, ethnogenic practices, mm-hmm. for tens of thousands of years, if not more, the way of practicing with these medicines is for the shaman or the leader to also ingest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, no one is in the Maloko or wherever who isn't in the same process. It seems to me that it's only right now with the medicalization or the attempted medicalization Mm -hmm. of sacred medicine that this idea has entered the discussion Mm -hmm. of the facilitator being separate. Um, There are instances where people will have journeys and they'll have someone with them who isn't ingesting. Uh, They're a trip sitter. That's not what we're doing. Right, okay. Yeah. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. So just like you, we're... we have to be in the fray, so to speak, to help facilitate the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. And uh, and by the way, folks, this is coming from a medical anthropologist, right? So this idea of of yes. uh, you know knowing you know how those practices were from from the cultures that that they mostly emerged from, you yes. know, um, it's important, you know. And and so there there is a long history. It sounds that um, this is the way it has been done. This mm. is the established practice. It's traditional. Yep. To, 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 to do this, right? In, in yes. fact, to medicalize it, um, which, okay, uh, there, I think there's, there's, we could talk about that too. There's, there's probably a space for that as well. But um, uh, th- this, you know, let me say it this way. It sounds like there's a lot of wisdom in following the advice and the, the general direction that those that have done this for generations upon generations have already figured out. Yes. yes. And, you know, the saying, never trust a skinny chef. 
<laughs> right, yeah, right, 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 um, right. You know, to 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 taste your own cooking, you know, yeah. is very important. I have uh, my own shirt today that says yes. "Psychedelic Research Volunteer," mm-hmm. uh, which I wear tongue in cheek, <laughs> but I also mean it um, at the same time. Uh, because there are things like that, like the MAPS has its own uh, research uh, grants that allow for people to enter into various studies and things like that. And those mm-hmm. settings are different than, than what we do. We've done some, um, uh, a little bit of MAPS training and things like mm-hmm. that. And we are um, philosophically, uh, we love MAPS yeah. and we love what it's done. I donate money to, to yeah, MAPS every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you do too. Yes. You know, I think, uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, a lot of our we, close friends yeah. see the benefit of it. You know? um, MAPS, uh, you know, for those who don't know, is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. And it's just maps.org. Um, but, you know, taking the substances also shows the participants that there are levels of understanding, levels of experience. What you experience when you first take a psychedelic is going to be different than what you experience after having done it for years. And for them to be taking it alongside somebody who has many, many years, um, not only on a very surface level can be helpful, but I think on an unconscious level, they will we're constantly reading and feeling and experiencing things at unconscious levels that affect the way we understand each context and every experience. So when you, when you're hanging out with somebody who's taken it a long time, they're behaving differently. It's not just what they say. It's, it's the way they're, they seem to be processing the room, the way they're processing information and, and the way they are either aware or unaware of things. That's different than somebody who's just taking it for the first time or doesn't have as much experience. So it's mm-hmm. so important that we take it with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to just build on this, uh, to share a little bit of my personal history, uh, I've worked with Carlos, he's been my guide uh, for some time now. And the very first time that I went on a journey, I was so thankful that Carlos was also taking the medicine because it gave me someone to model. Because mm-hmm. the first time it is, uh, in many ways, a heroic experience. So to have someone there who is uh, interacting with the medicine in a way that's calm and wise, it gives other pe- it gives people who are new to this something to follow, and it gives a sense of comfort. Honestly, if Carlos hadn't taken the medicine and it was just me, it would feel really awkward mm-hmm. uh, because it's a very vulnerable and open space. And when everybody is in that space, that's really when the magic happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wouldn't you say, Jess, that that maybe even though you you trust me and 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 all that, but at some level, wouldn't it be easy for your mind to think, well, he doesn't understand because he's not here yeah. in this state with me. I mean, it's it's just an easy thing to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or oh, this he's judging me. That. Yeah, this this eliminates. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's always that risk of. Um, uh, you know, how can you give me advice? You don't know what I'm going through. Exactly. But yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you're right there, you know. Um, so how, how have these substances um, affected you in your own lives? Sure. Uh, they've affected me greatly. I first wanted to explore sacred medicine, A, out of curiosity, because I had read Michael Pollan's wonderful book, uh, How to Change Your Brain. Mm-hmm. 
So I was really curious, but then that's kind of like the intellectual reason, the conscious reason. I also wanted personal healing. I wanted to be able to step more into vulnerability in my relationships. That has been a big struggle for me. And you don't get much more vulnerable than doing sacred medicine work. Uh, so that really created a very positive shift. Uh, and since then, I've done a, a lot more of this really deep emotional work that can, I continue to benefit from. Uh, I've really developed uh, a deep relationship, particularly with mushrooms. It's a spiritual relationship. You know, I feel them when I'm not journeying. It, it, they influence how I think, how I interact with the world. Uh, since I started with sa sacred medicine, my life is dramatically improved. I now uh, meditate daily. My philosophical and spiritual views of the world have shifted. Um, I used to be really into beer. Like I was a craft brewer. Mm. Uh, I was passionate, I still am, about the art and science of brewing. I find mm. it incredibly fascinating. Uh, but I stopped drinking. I can't touch mm. it now. Mm. And it was a really amazing change for me. I ended up dropping 45 pounds since the start of this year. Uh, it was really incredible. And then on my most recent journey, uh, for those who don't know me, I'm legally blind. I have a, a bunch of different conditions, but two of the conditions I have, strabismus and nystagmus, make it uh, almost impossible for me to control my eye movements, mm -hmm. and my eyes are misaligned. But on the most recent journey, uh, Carlos pointed out, your eyes have stopped moving and they're totally aligned, hmm. which yeah. I can't do that consciously. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's really, I'm going to explore that and see if I can make it permanent going forward. Fingers mm -hmm. crossed. And um, by the way, that was really, really cool to yeah. see. I was yeah. just, I, 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 at first I thought it was just a, a, a quick fluke and then I noticed it wasn't stopping. Like, like she was looking directly in my eyes and maintaining eye focus in the way that you're doing right now, mm -hmm. Satch. And it was like, I, I'm not used to seeing that from her. So I've, we've, we've had face-to-face -face many, many times. So to see this, it was almost like I had to remind myself that this is somebody who is legally blind. But in this moment, it just her eyes looked completely relaxed, focused, and really centered on my eyes when we were, when we were wow. uh, communicating back and forth. And it was very, very interesting to see that. And, and they were totally in line. That, that's fascinating because some of the anecdotal things that you hear uh, when people are on these journeys is that things that we don't normally have conscious control over, we maybe have a little more of a relationship with those things. You know, uh, was it, might've been Paul Stamets, uh -huh. you know, um, uh, the, uh, oh, the, the stutter, the, 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 yeah. the mushroom guy. Well, yeah, he, t he has his own story about, about yeah. stuttering and, and yeah. mushrooms. Yeah. It might've been him. He was talking about, uh, somebody that he knew was an older person that, um, was hard of hearing mm. and did a mushroom journey <clears throat> and was laying on the deck and was hearing these tapping sounds. Mm -hmm. His hearing aid was out. Yes. And then he realized it was the sound of the ants walking on the deck. Wow. Yep. So it, it's got to make you think, a little deeper about these things that that we sort of just assume we don't have any kind of control over. Especially on that story, what I found interesting, because y one could argue that, okay, well, he was having a fanciful, um, mm -hmm. you know, experience. Yeah. And that's cool, but what does that actually mean? But the thing is, um, I believe he got, <laughs> he stopped wearing his, his um, uh, hearing aids after that. So this change was not just a momentary, um, you know, uh, hallucination or something like mm -hmm. that. It's something that that permanently shifted his hearing. 
-hmm. and he went to the doctors and and they they confirmed to him that no no there's been a definite shift in your ability to hear um it it was greatly improved Mm. and it has stayed that way Mm. so that's what i thought was really interesting yeah, and you yeah. know, um, and, and this is a conversation that you and I have had a little bit, you know, uh, not in front of microphones, you know. Yeah. Um, there is a belief out there that if you were to use psychedelics and gain some kind of um, improvements in your life, wh- whether you call that just psychological or spiritual, whatever it is, that it's cheating. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a little bit of an idea that, oh, well, you're cheating. They, they, they got it from drugs. Yeah. Or something like that. Or it's and dismissed as less significant in some way. Yeah. Yes. Somehow you didn't earn it. Yeah. You, you know, um, maybe maybe you could say something about that. Do you have anything to share about that? Um, it's just kind <laughs> yeah. of my own question that I was curious about. Um, For sure. Is uh, it cheating? Um, I would like to think of it as not cheating because that doesn't really feel like it resonates for the experience. It's more like making use of a technology that many people just don't use. Yeah. So you could, you know, go ahead and, uh, not use an atlatl to, to throw your spear, Mm -hmm. or you could learn that an atlatl causes your spear to go farther and straighter. Yeah. When you throw it, right. It's technology. Cause you know, that bow and arrow, you know, what a shortcut. Right. You know, I mean, if you, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't, you know, kill the animal with your bare hands, then you're cheating. Exactly. So, (laughs) so psychedelics have been around, uh, longer than us and, you know, there's strong evidence to, to, um, more than suggest, but to, that proves that on every continent, psychedelics have been actively used since before written, um, history. Mm-hmm. We see it in the archaeological evidence and, um, you know, and, and it wasn't just Homo sapiens, you know, uh, other uh, predecessors used mm-hmm. it as well. And we see the animal kingdom, yeah. uh, almost all of the mammals. If you look at the zoological studies that they say that almost all mammals uh, utilize mind altering substances and psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything from. Uh, monkeys and dogs to bears to reindeer to um, uh, the, apes the, and I saw, I saw the dolphins, dolphins with the, the puffer fish exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, so it seems stuff. to be a common thing among among uh, mammals uh, but um, there's a reason for that I think mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's um, ubiquitous in nature that there are these substances everywhere mm-hmm. uh, that in so many different forms I mean just Mushrooms alone, there's over 200 psychedelic varieties of psilocybin-containing mushrooms. That's not including other deliriants like the Amanita muscaria varieties and other Mm -hmm. things like that. And that's just psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. 200 varieties. Wow. And and so that's just one little small sliver. And and there are many psychoactive plants that Mm -hmm. um, would be considered psychedelic or um, psychotropic. And... So yeah, it's it's everywhere and it's not going away. Yeah, and it's and it's yeah. it. If, if you think it's cheating, um, I would just say look into it a little deeper because this is mm-hmm. uh, utilizing something that that has incredible benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can choose not to if you want to. Right, right. So so um, maybe a a, a, a spin off question to that. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot of people that would want to know um, or maybe have a misconception that what you get during the experience 
is only during the experience. Like it's transitory. Yeah, like, like you, you see it when you're in that state and then it's gone. Yeah. Yet, it does appear that you actually do bring things back with you into your regular world yes. that are permanent or that Indeed. are lasting, at least. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, if I can cycle a little bit back to the last question and maybe I'll answer a bit of this uh, in what I have to say. Uh, there is a quote about, uh, I can't remember who said it, but beware uh, unwarned uh, excuse me, beware of unearned wisdom. Mm, sure, yeah. Okay. And okay. that type of mentality seems to come from some individuals who are very invested in their particular path, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, however, for those of us who are on this path, it is a path. It is a spiritual path. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to walk that path. Not everybody who comes on a retreat with us is necessarily interested in building this lifelong relationship with the, the substance, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. However, or in addition to, um, if somebody were to take antidepressants, nobody says to that person that that's cheating. You should right. just find a way to Good feel right. better. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or antibiotics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, yeah. this is the same. And uh, as Carlos was saying, these substances have been used by humans and other uh, creatures since before written history. This is an established path. Mm -hmm. So, it can't really be cheating if you're walking a path that requires mm -hmm. uh, consistent effort and consistent mm. work, which this does. It isn't just taking the substance, it's all of the preparation that goes into yeah. it. Yeah. Like, Carlos can tell you, like, at least two weeks before I do a journey, I'm like going through all sorts of emotional stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then after the journey, the integration process can last anywhere from weeks to months or even a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So it it isn't uh, cheating and it isn't just the experiences or the healing is only within the context of the substance. Uh, for some individuals who might be treating these substances recreationally, that might be the case. They might have all these brilliant insights when they've ingested the substance, but they don't apply it to their life after, mm -hmm. in which case mm -hmm. that those types of statements would be accurate. Mm -hmm. um, but for us and for the people who work with us, we're inviting everyone to continue that process of growth and discovery well beyond the retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. Um, uh, sounds like this can be hard work. Yes. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. Um, it has fun moments that help make that hard work. Uh, uh, it, it helps you to feel more encouraged, especially mm. though when you see the results. Yeah, uh, yeah, but along the way, um, there will be high moments. Why people talk about getting high, right? Talking about their mood being lifted, right? Mm -hmm. Happiness, joy, laughter, uh, epiphany, all sorts of stuff that can be really exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, seeing things in new ways, hearing things in new ways, feeling things in new ways. Yeah. Um, all of that can be really exciting. And there are people who mostly have that kind of experience, and it's not heavy for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there are people who, uh, like myself, who, who had both, you know, the, a lot of the heavy things that needed to be worked through and also some really high moments. And I don't look at, like, like my litmus test for whether something's good for me is not whether or not it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. My lit litmus test is, 
is more real, um, based on does this help me get the results that I want in my life? Uh, just is it helpful? Is it very helpful to me? Uh, is it something that I can use? So, so the work that she was talking about um, a moment ago, how could it be cheating if you have to really apply yourself mm -hmm. before, during, and after the experience? You're, you're working your ass off, mm -hmm. whether it's journaling or, or making lifestyle changes as a result of the epiphanies you make or um, learning to address long-suppressed feelings. So anyone who says that uh, you're cheating or, or it's, it's a, just a transitory state is not understanding what it's really like. They're probably someone who either dipped their toe in it mm -hmm. and didn't really continue, or they're someone who's never tried it because they were afraid and they're looking mm -hmm. for ways to justify why no one else should either. Yeah, okay. You know, that's okay. been my experience yeah. with talking to people about it. Uh, I, I've talked to religious folks that were against it. I've mm -hmm. talked to medical folks that were against it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same type of argument, the way they structure their argument. It's, it's the same and, and always comes down to, well, have you tried it? Mm -hmm. And what did you do while you did it? Who yeah. were you with? Yeah. What and they don't want to go there. Either they, ha they, they did and they don't want to talk about it, or they haven't tried it at all and don't like that question because it exposes the ignorance embedded in the question itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy path and it's definitely not cheating. Yeah. It's okay. utilizing Great. a powerful tool is yeah. what it is. So uh, let's get into bad trips. This is, <laughs> this is something you hear about, yeah. right? Uh, every kid growing up, you know, going to school here in the US, you yeah. know, as you and I did, you know, Carlos, kids in California going to school. Um, there's a lot of fear mm -hmm. that, that surrounds these, these kinds of things. Mm. Um, so, um, let's talk about bad trips. Um, how do you avoid them? Mm -hmm. What do you do about them? Um, are there bad trips? Um, yeah. What do you have to say? Mm -hmm. You yeah. want to start on that? Sure. So I'll, I'll start with the easy question. Okay. Are there bad trips? Yes and no. There are bad trips when people engage with these substances irresponsibly. And it doesn't mean the trip is necessarily bad, but because they don't have the respect for the substance or the emotional maturity, they can land in very dark places and not know how to process it. So in that instance, yes, there are bad trips. Uh, the other side of the coin is if someone is engaging with the medicine in a respectful, responsible way, uh, one can have a trip that is challenging, that is incredibly difficult. I recently had one that was incredibly difficult. Uh, however, because of the way in which we're engaging with the medicine, that turned into something incredibly beautiful and powerfully transformative for me. So in those cases, if you know how to work with what's happening and you have the container around the experience that says, hey, this is okay, then there are no bad trips. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. If you, Satch, if you frame a therapeutic experience and you filter it based on whether or not you felt good the whole time, mm -hmm. then of course you could say that any bad experience you had was a bad experience. But if you're if mm -hmm. if you're looking at your therapeutic experience, even non-drug related, mm -hmm. sure. as 
whether or not you gained something from it or learned something from it or um, if it caused you to make the choice to pivot your lifestyle in a particular way and it was uncomfortable that it made you do that, would you still describe it as a bad experience? Right, right. I don't yeah, think... You've, you've got me thinking about uh, trips to the dentist. Yeah. You know, sometimes... Or to go, the therapist. Yeah, to the therapist. Yeah, sometimes you go and you see a professional for something and you say, oh, that was an easy one. It was just a checkup. Oh, I just got my teeth cleaned. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had to drop off some paper. And then sometimes you go and you get surgery. You get mm-hmm. something big big done. And um, I, I, I see the parallel there. Right. Right. That You, you know, is, is your open heart surgery a bad trip to the hospital? Well... Uh, beats the alternative <laughs> is confronting someone that you feel scared to confront. Is that a bad experience because it's uncomfortable and scares the hell out of you? Or is it a good experience because you're learning how to be brave, how to have courage, how to love yourself enough to stand up for what is important to you, uh, that you're building faith and trust in your capacity to resolve conflicts with someone so, so the, the, the idea that, a, that it's, you know, that you could have a bad trip, I think the framing that mm-hmm. people enter into with that mindset is one of um, disempowerment. Like, what is empowerment if, if not having an internal locus of control, at least for, for your choices and, and for the way you engage, mm-hmm. right? Your agency. That's what empowerment is all about, right? Mm-hmm. You can't control everything outside. But you can, you can control ultimately where you're coming from. So that beingness, if you will, the, play, the, the part of you that is having the thoughts, you can have some control over that. And when you take a psychedelic, um, they say it's either like a telescope that allows you to see very far or a microscope that allows you to see inwardly uh, to a very fine minute level. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do that, if you're a person who's gone through um, uncomfortable experiences, it could be that memories can float up. Uh, it could be that something you've been suppressing for a while starts to show itself. And it's not that you have to, and it's not that it always will. Uh, it's not like that. But if when you strip away your inhibitions your natural state is to kind of um, think about some of those negative feelings, then naturally they're going to manifest. Psychedelic means mind manifesting. So what is underneath the surface of what your mind is, when you relax, when you let go, when you open up, whatever's below the surface has the possibility of floating up. But if you're committed to the medicine experience being sacred, then you would even think that the the uncomfortable experiences are the gifts that you just need to unwrap to the level where you see what's beneficial about it. You've got to keep going and not give up. Mm. So I don't like the idea of bad trips. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. agree with that. I, I think there are trips and what makes it good or bad is personal and it doesn't have to, you're not stuck. Mm-hmm. So if you have an experience that, um, is uncomfortable, first of all, 
facilitators can help. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has the unconscious skill developed to be yeah. able to uh, adjust and adapt and, and navigate. Yeah. But yeah. you can develop that skill pretty rapidly. And the best way to do that is just to dive in with both feet. So how to avoid uh, a quote unquote bad trip. Uh, there are some really surface level things that you can do that help to minimize that. One of them is don't just take psychedelics, do the research first, figure out why am I doing this? What is this that interests me? Um, What do I want to get out of it? Do a little research, read up on it, talk to people who are knowledgeable, who've been doing it a long time, who who have made it our thing and ask them with sincerity, hey, what's the best way to go about this? Um, How do I prepare my mind? How do I prepare the setting that I'm doing it? in um what what kinds of things should i expect through the duration of the experience and also afterward the next day and the next week uh if you ask those questions and you pay attention you're going to avoid most of what people would consider a bad trip Mm -hmm. and that's usually what we (laughs) might call like the dumb mistakes you know you don't just randomly take a psychedelic at a party after you've Mm -hmm. been drinking around a bunch of people that you half know and half don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just setting yourself up for a socially awkward, anxious experience. Yeah, yeah. You got to kind of really set yourself up for success. So that's what we do with uh, Sacred Medicine Journeys. Uh, thing that we're doing is that we have um, organized a a, uh, a systematic way of going through it that keeps you set up for having a positive growth experience. Great. So that helps you avoid it. And and some of it's psychological too. So how do you think about what words do you use to describe this as you, the language you're using to describe things shapes your thoughts and it holds feelings in place. Mm. Language is very powerful. Yeah, Yeah. So rich, we do ritual and ceremony and all sorts of things that help to concentrate the mind Mm -hmm. and focus the intent. So that's a way of avoiding quote unquote bad trips. But okay. the other part of it is learning how to accept the, un- the discomforts as grist for the mill, things that help you to um, process and um, grow. Mm-hmm. So you can think of um, turning it into a, um, a growth experience. How do you convert negative feelings and negative visions and things into something that could teach you? Yeah. Make yeah. it your friend. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, as you were describing all this and, and, um, you know, I, I thought you painted a great picture, you know, but both of you painted a really good picture on this, this topic. Cause I think this is something that, that people would be scared about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, understand, helps, it helps to yeah. hear, you know, so, you know, some of this stuff and, um, somebody could easily, you know, want to go experience nature and mm-hmm. go get lost in the wilderness, mm-hmm. get lost in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get a guide. Yeah. You get somebody who knows the terrain, understands what right. plants are dangerous and what animals to be careful about, and um, um, uh, it sounds like that's what you're doing. You know, you're you're yeah. allowing yeah. people to experience this amazing, powerful, transformative thing, right? That would be hard to do on your own. Yes. Yep. And so you know, you you find somebody who who knows the land. You know. Yeah, and both of us do. Um, um, personal coaching and things like that. And we both know that, uh, sometimes people will say, you know, I haven't been ready 
to enter into this topic and, and I'm a little scared to enter into this topic with you. I'm not talking about psychedelics. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about regular coaching. Mm-hmm. You've had that experience. Yes. I've had that experience. Sure. And, and you can tell that they've been holding off for a long time because they're afraid of what might come up and they know, or they suspect that by talking about it, it's going to bring up a lot of heaviness or fear. And then they do, they cry, they shake, they tremble, they go through all sorts of quote unquote bad trips in the office there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So again, is that a bad trip or is that them choosing to work it out, choosing to clean out that, um, those psychic toxins, if you will? Like, are they, are, if they're making that choice consciously, as you should with any psychedelic trip, mm-hmm. make that choice consciously, then it gets better quicker because mm-hmm. you're, you're moving through the discomfort by getting into it and not avoiding it. And you find that silver lining. You find the light at the end of the tunnel. You can unravel the knot that's inside of you psychically. That's what's so powerful about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So sacred medicine journeys. Um, Are these retreats for everyone? No. (laughs) They're not. They're not. Glad glad we got that up, you know, so. Yeah, there's an application process that includes an interview because... As much as we love sacred medicine, it isn't for everyone. Uh, there are uh, people with certain health conditions uh, where this might not be appropriate. People with schizophrenia or dissociative uh, disorders may not want to go this route because it can make it worse. Uh, people with an immediate family history of schizophrenia, it's not necessarily a no-go, but they do need to be aware that there is a risk, especially if they're a little bit younger, like in their 30s, there is a risk that it could trigger their first schizophrenic uh, Mm -hmm. episode. It's not that the psychedelic created schizophrenia. They were likely going to develop it anyway. It just brought it on earlier. So Mm -hmm. people need to be aware of that. Uh, Also, people with certain cardiac concerns would really need to consult their doctor first. Mm Uh, before doing this, uh, the same with uh, hypertension, that sort of thing. People who are on SSRIs, uh, so antidepressants, the most widely described, uh, prescribed antidepressants, uh, medicine work is contraindicated. It used to be that, the, that they believed it would cause something called serotonin syndrome, which is an overload of serotonin in the system, which can be lethal. Uh, now the science is saying that that is likely not true. However, if someone's on SSRIs, it will significantly lessen the effect of the psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may actually cause them to not trip at all. Uh, so we're not going to recommend anybody come off of their SSRIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might not be the time for them to explore psychedelics. There are also people who we just get a feel that either were personally not the right match for what they're looking for, they might benefit more from a clinical, more medical setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we, uh, you know, our, our spidey senses, our, our coaching senses are mm-hmm. tingling, and there's just something that feels off where you, you can't put your finger on it, but, you know, mm-hmm. psychedelics are probably not the path the person should be on right now. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, we all, the three of us understand that you, you really do need to trust your clinical intuition because... Mm-hmm. It's based on something, even if you can't articulate it right away. Yeah. Um, we're pretty good at listening to that. Um, it's very important in the work we do to listen to that yeah. often. Yeah. And, and so if we get that signal, then no. I mean, um, 
I can't think of a more uncomfortable experience than than a, than allowing someone to come in who wasn't really right for the work, and then there you are with medicine, and you've got by the way not just us but other people who you know are they've chosen to engage in this experience with trust and vulnerability, yeah. and then if you have one person who is really just a mismatch for the mm-hmm. um, the psychological energy of, of the group, yeah, sure, then sure. that could be disturbing to them and we wouldn't want that. So our, our interview process and the question, it's very important that we have a good sense of rapport and connection um, and, and a clear understanding of maybe some of their goals and really. dispel some of the misconceptions like you, you, sure. you said earlier. Um, that's very important. So it isn't for everyone. Um, we're not claiming it's a panacea uh, at all, we're, yeah. we're we're just saying this is a very powerful tool that's been underutilized because of the prohibition on it, mm-hmm. and we want to kind of stand up for the truth that we believe, uh, which is yeah. that this is a valuable thing, and and we want to be those people standing in that truth, you know, yeah. and helping people to experience yeah. it who want to have that experience. All right, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's good to hear that it's not for everyone because any any respectable practice of any kind would say the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. not not everybody's a candidate for a surgery. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's a candidate for a particular medication. You know, there's yeah. inclusion and inclusion factors and exclusion factors and and um uh, that's that's I think part of the benefit of um doing this with guides. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get that wisdom, you know, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, do people need prior experience to come do this? Um, no, no, they don't need any prior experience. Uh, if they do, that's great. I mean, we, we love that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have a different experience with us than mm-hmm. when they did it by themselves or with their, their friends. Um, but it, there's no, there's, you could be a complete newbie, never having taken a psychedelic, you're 65 years old and, and you want to just do it because it's something important. You want to like take that next step inside of yourself to see, um, what insights you could gain. It could be just like that. And, and after we've had an interview and, and we've gotten some clarity about, um, what's necessary and required for it. If, if everything looks good, it's a green light you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't matter whether someone's had experience or not at all. Okay. Yeah. And, and how would somebody prepare for a journey? Mm. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the kind of really important aspects of this work is about becoming comfortable with the multiple layers that is you. So we recommend that people begin a meditation practice if they don't have one already, particularly something like a breath practice, uh, like anapana or any of the yoga breathing. And the reason for that is you're not being distracted by like a guided visualization. You're not doing a lot of things. You're only watching your breath and becoming aware of all of the things that float up in the mind Mm -hmm. as a result. Mm -hmm. This teaches really a foundational skill for a sacred medicine journey of being able to sit with whatever comes up in a way that is calm and okay and accepting, even if it is unpleasant. Mm -hmm. So that is number one. Number two is really considering what your intention is. It is absolutely fine to have an intention of coming into this work just because you're curious. Great. Mm -hmm. Also, people may have specific things that they would like to work through. So becoming clear on what those things are and not just what you don't want, but how do you want to be on the other side of this? Who do you want to become? 
And the cool thing is when you consider who you want to become, when you come out on the other side of the retreat, you're going to go way past whatever that starting image was. Mm -hmm. So it's more like just planting your flag in the sand. Carlos, do you have more? Absolutely. Uh, There are also a couple of things I think that can help soothe the curious and agitated mind is is, um, researching a little bit um, on um, sites like maps Mm -hmm. where there's a... Um, there's an emphasis on the benefits and yet there, there's some science behind it. I think people who are a little nervous about it, if they do some initial research into those things, it'll help soothe that part of the conscious mind that's kind of freaking a little bit mm-hmm. um, and allow them to say, okay, there, this, is, this is something that you can do and, and it can be beneficial. And they start to read other people's positive experiences and and uh, it, it just helps to set them up for success that way. There are a couple of uh, really great documentaries out there. I mean, she mentioned uh, How to Change Your Mind earlier, Michael Pollan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not, um, if you don't have a discipline like reading, then watch the Netflix documentary. It's based on the same thing. It's four or five segments. Um, and it kind of summarizes the, the book, more or less. Okay. And so that can be a, a good way to prepare yourself. Uh, basically, if you if you search out these positive experiences, uh, Vice has some documentaries on it. Um, just look around, and you'll see that that can sometimes be a good preparation. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, if you if you know anybody, like you mentioned, the breath practice, that's absolutely great. Uh, if you have been engaging in a regular physical practice that's disciplined, like yoga mm-hmm. or martial arts or anything like that, uh, even regular walks that kind of thing, and you just uh, start to, to speak to yourself, um, what do I want to get out of this experience? Um, what do I, um, if I were to work on myself, what would be something that I, that I would really want to change? Um, and when you enter into the experience, we're going to be having um, questionnaires and interviews and preparatory practices, so they won't have to worry about that. We will give them guidance in that. Mm-hmm. But these are just some general things that are that are helpful. Yeah. Watch okay. what you know. Start being mindful of what you're taking into your body. You know. Yeah. How okay. you're treating yourself. Yeah. Because this is all about you. Um. So, uh, sacredmedicinejourneys.com. Yeah. Right. Um. How is uh sacred medicines medicine journeys? Uh. How, how does it differ from other like mind altering, mind expanding types of practices that are out there? Right, so I have experience, and so does Carlos, in a lot of different techniques, things like holotropic breath work, obviously hypnosis, uh, various meditation practices and martial arts. All of these things are wonderful, and they do expand consciousness. And there is absolutely nothing else that compares to a sacred medicine journey. All of those other practices are wonderful and have tremendous benefit, but they are not the same. In my point of view, there's there's no comparison. And I'm really passionate about meditation and hypnosis. I, I see these practices change lives. So it's not to discount them. And I might have been tempted years ago to think that they would be kind of on the same level as psychedelics. 
no, not anywhere close. This is deeper. This is more profound. This invites you to pull back the layers of self and see and experience what's happening underneath the surface and who and what is at your core. And it does it in such a, a profound and uh, lasting way. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, I have a spiritual relationship with the mushrooms. My personal view, and nobody else has to agree, that's fine, uh, but my personal view is they do have a consciousness, they do have a spirit. Mm-hmm. He talks to me every journey, <laughs> uh, and it's wonderful. I don't have that relationship with hypnosis at all. For me, that is a, a technique, a technology, a strategy. It is very contextualized to one specific change that a client asks for, like quitting smoking or, you know, stop nail biting, that type of thing. Uh, Sacred medicine is uh, so expansive, it touches every aspect of my life. Yeah, Um, what she said. Uh, I have to say that in my own experience, uh, psychedelics are a living part of my existence. I feel that I'm um, receiving nuanced uh, sensations and thoughts and feelings, and it influences and shapes the way I engage with the world outside of having taken it. So it does change you, and I don't want that to frighten anyone, but I think everyone ought to have a little bit of awe for it. And awe contains just a tiny bit of fear, Mm. you know? Mm It is an awesome experience. It can flabbergast you, mm-hmm. and it's profound, So, or potentially very pr- profound. So it differs, but it could incorporate some of the other modalities. Mm-hmm. If you are a strong meditator, or if you have some area of expertise, when you take psychedelics with this kind of intentionality behind it, it is going to be a part of your experience. Therefore, on the one hand, you could say, oh, wow, I'm realizing all these things about this area of discipline that I'm invested in in life. And could I have realized this without the psychedelics? That's a tough question to answer. It's Schrodinger's cat, Mm. right? I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like once you've taken these psychedelic substances in that context, and you start making realizations or have epiphanies in your area of expertise, whatever that may be, wow, I could have gotten there, but you didn't, or Mm -hmm. I didn't in that case. So I think it's very important because psychedelics do open those doors. They keep the door open longer. You're in that state longer. I think it just makes um, whatever you're innately capable of doing, uh, I think that the the range expands, your capacities open up. So it is you, it's not the drugs, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't wanna give that impression, it's the drugs that did it, it's not. But those substances, those medicines, those uh, uh, psychotropic chemicals in your body um, help you to maintain a focus for a longer period of time. It keeps that door open longer and it gives you a very powerful glimpse of what's possible were you to um, substantially change your approach to life. So should you do them every day? No. 
they're not even it's not even possible to do them every day without reducing your sensitivity to them. That's the interesting thing about most psychedelics is you do it the very next day you would need more in order to get to the same level. And that continues until your brain goes, sorry, um, you're gonna have to wait a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So why is that? Well, um, I don't know why, but I can tell you what meaning I get out of it is that, uh, we're not supposed to be using them constantly. They're there as really powerful reminders. They're, they're like that tool that will help us, uh, get to the other side. It's a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, and once you cross that bridge, you don't need that same bridge. You might need a new bridge. And so they helps you to build, but you have to still do the heavy lifting. You start, still have to work. You still have to change yourself. So there's some things in common with medicine work and other kinds of modalities. And there's no reason why you can't use those modalities while you're utilizing psychedelics to help the psychedelics have um, a unique kind of angle or a unique frame. And so it's very harmonious, but it's definitely not the same. Mm. Okay. You know, okay. people have tried to say that a lot, and I've heard it many for many years. Mm. It's not the same, though. Yet, there are, there are some areas where they cross over. Yeah. So these journeys, is this generally a one-time thing that somebody does, or is this something that um, uh, needs to be or should be an ongoing kind of a practice. It, it can be a one-time deal, but okay. obviously for her and I, this is a path and it's not a one-time thing. And we would hope uh, in our heart of hearts that um, people would embrace the path and really get the most out of it. And the best way to get the most out of something is to continually um, dive into it with, re- with a renewed enthusiasm each time. Mm-hmm. How, you know, were there walls that I got blocked last time? Can I, can I melt or overcome those obstacles and go deeper? Mm-hmm. Um, are there areas where I shied away and maybe didn't step into my courage enough that maybe this next time I can really be determined and, and, and be a little more courageous next time? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an ongoing thing and you get better and better at it. Like any skill, psychedelic navigation is a skill. So we would prefer it not to be a one-time thing. We would <laughs> sure, prefer people sure. to feel like they can jump in and keep going. And if I, I can add to this, because it is a skill, this is one of the reasons that we recommend that people who are interested in psychedelics but haven't done them before to not do it alone for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important to have someone with you who knows the territory. Uh, I shared with Carlos that not too long ago, I had a, a solo experience. This was my first solo experience. Mm. I said to him, I cannot imagine this was after anyone doing this for the first time alone. Sure. Because yeah. all of the skills that I had learned up to that point made it possible for that experience, which was a really profound and big experience, I was able to navigate it in a way that was safe for me. Mm. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Now, um, there are some people that might be of the opinion that, um, these things should not be practiced outside of their, 
you know, indigenous, you know, culture of origin, or or maybe the other side where people say uh, this this really should not be done outside of a medical context. Mm-hmm. Right. Do, they're, they're very opposite ideas. Um, yeah. Maybe you could say something about those things. Sure. So anyone who says that it shouldn't be done outside of an indigenous context does not have the perspective of history. There is no continent that has had humans on it that hasn't had a psychedelic tradition. In Europe, we have psilocybin mushrooms. We had um, the kaikion, which had ergot in it. Also, diff- uh, Amanitis muscaria is uh, traditional in the Sami, tr- the Sami people in Nordic countries. So there is this tradition around the world. There is no one claim to it. Additionally, if you look to uh, indigenous cultures the ge- who, are, who have uh, protected the tradition through the colonial era and through the uh, Inquisition era, those cultures are more than welcoming to share their traditions. I recently completed a training in the Mazatec rituals. Uh, the Mazatec people were the people who preserved the tradition of psilocybin mushrooms in Mexico. And I worked with a Corandera, and she was really warm and welcoming to everyone of every culture and was encouraging us to really just take parts of her ritual, her tradition that fit with, our, with what we do that we get the most benefit from. So indigenous you know, Coranderas and shaman are saying, hey, yes, come learn from the medicine. I, I don't think it's really fair for an outsider to say, hey, no, it can only be those people. Because the reality is just the fact that we live on Earth, we are uh, entitled to have access to these medicines, which also speaks to the medicalization side. Uh, Because we are children of this Earth, we have a claim to these medicines, not doctors. There are certain populations who would really benefit from a medical approach, absolutely. Uh, there, there are people with certain diagnoses that they really should be working with a doctor and, and not with us. And that's totally fine. And for research. Yes, and mm-hmm. for research, 100%. Learning about the brain, things like that. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's really great that they're doing this work because we know so much more about specifically the classic tryptamines than we, we knew in the 1960s. So it, it's incredibly valuable and important work. Mm-hmm. But Johns Hopkins, Imperial College, NYU, uh, UC Berkeley, none of these guys own the rights to sacred medicine. They just don't. Yeah. On a legal level, it could be that legislation is swayed that direction, Mm -hmm. which would be a shame. Yeah. Uh, It would mean that people who are indigenous would not have a legal right to do it. Yeah, right, right. Because it has to be under the supervision of a doctor. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who feel very safe in that idea that, well, it's doctors who should be doing it because this should be safe and it's a medicine. And that's one way Mm -hmm. to look at it. But I would just invite people to remember that, you know, we've got, you know, probably a million years of using Mm -hmm. psychedelics. And the best way to learn how to navigate that experience is to dive in and learn how to navigate with someone who can guide you. It's not uh, to have 
necessarily a, a doctor um, and, and uh, supervising you and a nurse coming in every hour mm-hmm. to check on your blood pressure and giving you the sense that you're in a, you're in a doctor's office, right? That that yeah. that's a strange set of um, it's a strange set of experiences that people will have a, a, a real mix of discomforts and mm-hmm. strange yeah. feelings around because it's medical, right? Most people don't feel overjoyed to go to the doctor. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, could could could, could trigger negative feelings and Absolutely. associations. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are some places where they, they make an effort to make it nicer. Yeah. Um, well, you, but, you know, I, I would point out, too, that, that you know, if you, if you see video of those situations where it is kind of more of a, of a medicalized thing, mm-hmm. what do they do? They bring in soft lighting and candles and they start mm-hmm. taking efforts to recreate yeah. some a green different, plants. Yeah, a yeah. different environment. Why do they do that? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like they understand that there's another way to do this and yes. maybe yes. this medical way of doing it is not necessarily the, the most conducive to, yeah. to getting what you're trying to get. Right, and... The idea that some indigenous movements are creating um, is that um, they should be the only ones with access to that. Mm-hmm. And with respect to those uh, people and their traditions and their, their individual plight, you know, the, the situation where they've been treated unfairly and cruelly in, mm-hmm. in many respects, disrespected. Mm-hmm. So when I what I'm about to say is not meant in disrespect of that. Absolutely, you know me, mm-hmm. and where I come from in that uh, their their cause and their um, 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 their values are important to me. But there is this movement called um, it's called was it legalized plants? Uh, no. decriminalized, decriminalized nature. nature. Yeah, decriminalized right. nature. Right. And there was an it was an initiative to say that hey, substances, mind altering substances or not, should not be criminalized. It's just wrong. And so there's a movement to to um, get local, state, and cities and counties to uh, decriminalize these substances. And yeah. it's been partly effective. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, many um, uh, states and cities changing things like that. But then there was an additional set of um, initiatives that were focused in on the um, peyote as being an exclusion. Peyote, the the cactus. The cactus that contains mescaline. It's one one of the varieties that contains mescaline. Mm -hmm. And they were very adamant about that. And and I've I've heard the arguments for it, and I have to say I don't agree because... um, their argument was that this is uh, sacred territory. No one else should be able to have it um, because this is within our tradition. And in any case, it's it's a um, it's a plant, a cactus that is um, uh, endangered, mm-hmm. and we don't want that to become uh, extinct. Mm-hmm. And I can just say that uh, how is that any different than Huachuma, the San Pedro cactus? Mm-hmm. Uh, both cacti. Uh, grow in the same areas, mm-hmm. essentially, more or less. And you can cultivate both of them. If you want to preserve something and keep it from going extinct, then preventing people from using it is not the way. Getting people to cultivate it is the way. So yeah. you produce yeah. more. And if you don't pass laws that prevent people from doing that, then you're going to get people cultivating peyote. Mm-hmm. 
you're going to get people cultivating these things because it's going to um, assure that there's a future supply of it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it makes it more likely that it will stay. And the idea that, that only one plant, like a cactus, like, like um, peyote, is only allowable with a s- certain people is antithetical to the idea of medicine work in general. These medicines have been universal mm-hmm. everywhere. Why would that matter what color your skin is or how you were raised? If you were genuine and sincere about wanting to experience these things, why would that be sacrilegious? Mm-hmm. Sure, so anyway, sure. I don't agree, yeah. and I'm just kind of stating that for the record. Yeah, um, I know there are other people that that are against that idea, but mm-hmm. that's why I don't agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I think we can assure the safety of those indigenous practices and the continuation of those plants by just having more people do it and respecting the rules yeah, around it. You yeah. Know? It seems, um, you know, to kind of echo what you're saying, um, makes a lot more logical sense to me to say protect and expand. Yeah. Not protect and minimize. Right. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, to expand could very well be the protection that's required, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, um, thanks for, uh, for speaking up on that, Absolutely. you know, and sharing that idea. I think it's important. Um, I think we've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but let's just kind of, kind of make it clear. Um, what qualifies each of you to do this? Mm. Well, uh, first would be our combined years of coaching experience. We are not Mm -hmm. new to the territory of helping people navigate the realm of the unconscious, the superconscious, the soul. Uh, We have ample experience. We have ample experience as well in the realm of sacred medicine. So that, you know, really helps. We know the territory well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think on kind of another level, this is our life path. We live this. Mm-hmm. Our heart, this is where our hearts are for the medicine and for the healing that it brings. Yeah, um, 100%. And the commitment that we have as um, um, healers who are, who are um, all in means that no matter what comes up for the person, we're there. We don't abandon people in their in their um, time of need. Uh, I could ask the same question, like you know, what what uh, qualifies me to to be a healer and to do um, deep emotional work with people? What qualifies me to do it? It's it's to do with um, congruence and integrity. The the decision uh, that we made a long time ago and, and, and that we continue to make in new ways all the time to recommit ourselves to the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a, um, a consistent thing that cycles through in, in our consciousness, which is we're committed to this no matter what. So what qualifies us, I think also is like therapeutic use of self. It's we're here to witness and also facilitate this experience with you no matter whether you're soaring heaven or fathoming the depths of hell we're there with you and that kind of commitment is a trust and it's a bond uh, that that is 
more important than any kind of label or um, set of letters after our name or anything like that. We feel that as way more important. Mm. So it's our own, um, you could say, personal, philosophical, and spiritual journey that has given us the, I guess, if you want to put it this way, the authority mm-hmm. to uh, initiate a practice with this and to um, um, carve out a space and time to facilitate others in it. Okay, okay. Um, what, uh, what makes for a good retreat? What makes for a good experience like this? Um, hmm. uh, yeah, maybe you could, could kind of share some insights as to what it is that makes what you do um, outstanding. How could people look at something and evaluate it and, and know what's good, what's quality? Well, you know, there are, there are a, a number of um, retreats out there, um, you know, some of which are using uh, sacred medicines of various kinds. So when I hear that question, I think, you know, what should a person be looking for? Yeah. I think uh, number one, if you're if you're just searching online, is you know you want to look at um, are there uh, you know who are these people that are going to be giving you the medicine, and when you read through their profiles and when you get in contact with them, what's that quality like? That the quality of that interaction. Do you feel um, uh, that they're unprofessional? Do you feel that they're meeting you? Uh, they're speaking to you as uh, human to human from their heart um, with respect and authority. Um, that's important because the guides are probably the most important part, who you're choosing to, mm-hmm. to engage with and create a, re- a therapeutic relationship with. That's super important. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're hiring a, a coach um, yeah. or you know, seeking spiritual advice, it's, it's the same thing. And then how they produce... Um, the overall experience, like, do they have a, some kind of a structure that is a repeatable structure that that um, is well thought out and and strategically aligned so that that people can go through their catharsis and their their journey in a way that helps them to uh, retain really important kernels that they take with them. Mm. Do they have a process that facilitates that after the experience, mm-hmm. and then also have they put a lot of thought into the various settings, physical environments where you're going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I know with Jess and I, we spend a good amount of time researching locations, depending on how many people are coming and 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 whether we're doing uh, a, a really upscale VIP version mm-hmm. or we're doing more the kind of um, uh, everyday person version. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's different levels that that go into it, so. What I'm essentially saying is set and setting, mm-hmm. right? And the facilitators themselves. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, or? I think okay. so. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, why do you refer to it as sacred medicine? Because it is. I cannot, for me, I can't think of a more sacred experience than connecting with my own soul in a space and and a container that is loving and supportive. Uh, Sacred medicine can be one of the most divine experiences we have as humans. In fact, 
people continuously rank it peak experience one of the top three peak experiences in life. It's ranked up there with near-death experiences and the birth of children. This is incredibly sacred. And these substances, they, like I said, I, I believe they have a consciousness to them. This isn't just taking a drug. This is connecting with something that allows us to connect more deeply with ourselves. Yeah. Um, I, I notice you, you use the term sacred medicine, not sacred medication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just noticed that. Yeah. And there's something about that, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sacred medicine. So, uh, Carlos, um, how about you? Sacred, sacred medicine. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, you know, we, we've all heard the term uh, medicine woman, medicine man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we've been exposed to that that phrase from, from probably TV and movies and things like that, you know, uh, indigenous folks, um, using that, that phrase. Um, and it implies that it's, there is a spiritual and philosophical depth to whatever it is that is quote unquote, the medicine. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about what is sacred, um, sacred, to you is is holy it's it's separate and it's it's apart from everything else but also something that you could carry into everything else if you were to care about it when i think of sacred medicine I, it also brings to mind the sacred self what is it inside of us that is uh, most sacred to us most uh the highest and deepest within us when you use sacred medicines and when you engage on a sacred medicine journey or on the sacred medicine path, you're choosing to engage as deeply as you know how with the intent of perhaps getting even deeper mm. at some point. Mm -hmm. It's like um, setting things into motion that begin to have a life of its own, which is not to say that, that you're putting the, um, the power outside of yourself necessarily. It's just saying that um, when you make the choice to enter into sacred medicines the way we're approaching it, um, why it's sacred is that it goes beyond the ingestion of those substances and it starts to get into something that is phenomenological. Your relationship with everyday events and things can change if you engage like this. You can start to see synchronicities and um, the, the hidden... Uh, web of connection between things in a way that nothing else quite does. So it's a sacred medicine because it, it allows you to see the sacredness within all of the things in your life, your relationships with yourself and others and the planet. Um, that's what makes it sacred to me. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, there are people that want to do this. There are people that need to do this, mm -hmm. um, people that have to do this. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you could uh, say a little something about um, kind of the mechanics of it. You know, um, how, what are the lengths of these these retreats? Um, I imagine this is something you, you, you'd be doing a, a, a handful of times a year. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. So the retreats, depending on which medicines we're engaging with, six to eight days and also depending on location uh, we will be engaging with these medicines in locations that 
the legal status is friendly <laughs> because it's really important f that everyone feel safe and comfortable going into this. So places like Peru, where we can openly engage with San Pedro, with Huachuma, places like that. Uh, so six to eight days, and the journeys are on alternating days. So there'll be a welcoming day, a journey day, an integration day, a journey day, an integration day, a journey day, integration, and a closing ceremony. And then goodbye until next time. Okay. All right. So, so, yeah. so, so people are looking at, you know, a, a, a week or more. Yes. For, for yeah. Weeks. And mm -hmm. we had, we did say this earlier, but just to reiterate, there, there's follow-up. Okay. Um, it's yeah. important to us that, that, um, people don't feel like they're just sort of left to their own devices without any kind of mm -hmm. connection to us. I mean, that is partly what makes us different is that we're very committed to the ongoing practices. So there will be things that we, you know, suggested practices to help deepen and will be available to, to our clients, um, because we want to let them know that, that we really are different in this way that we want them to feel, uh, safe and comfortable. And, uh, you know, after sharing a, a, an experience like that, you can't help but feeling uh, some love for the people that are there and, and a deeper connection and, and more trust and stuff. So it'll be easier for people to uh, be able to share their, their roses and thorns um, in their life afterward. And I look forward to that personally, you know, just kind of cultivating that through the years and, and knowing that um, what we helped to facilitate created... Um, you know, a whole uh, river of awesomeness after that experience mm -hmm. for those people. And I know I'm working backwards, but additionally, we also have uh, preparation sessions mm -hmm. because we work with small groups and this is a sacred and very intimate experience. It's important for the, the attendees to get to know each other before, so going in, so have an opportunity to meet the other participants. And also the preparation sessions allow us to ad address any um, concerns, any questions, as well as offering meditation instruction and some of the other preparation activities that we highly recommend so people feel uh, grounded and thoroughly prepared going into the experience. Yeah, p people's um, capacity for... Um, you know, witnessing and describing their own experiences and, and for evaluating their um, personality and their traits uh, differ wildly. Um, you know, I've heard it said, you know, humans are horrible witnesses to their own experiences. And it's, it's generally very true, you know, because there's, there's so much in the way of actually being able to witness yourself. You've mm -hmm. got a lot of layers to, to look through. So if we do have a moment of clarity from time to time, it's really wonderful and it makes a big difference. Um, I think, you know, you asked a question earlier about, about um, how this has changed us. And, you know, one of the ways that it's changed me is it's improved my ability to see myself and it's made me more uh, mentally and emotionally flexible. I'm more capable of um, even maintaining um, ambivalences, you know, to, to not have to know mm. and to have mm -hmm. several possibilities being okay. So less black and white in my thinking and, and more capable of noticing the gray areas, uh, more willing and 
capable of enjoying um, shadow work, right? Working on on being able to see how I am projecting my um, uh, my challenges, my difficulties, my pain, where that's getting projected out into the world and onto other people or in my life. So I'm having more fun being able to actually see that rather than it being a, a, a begrudged kind of experience or something that I would avoid. Mm. The medicine work has taught me that it's actually okay. I can engage with that, not only during the session, but it can shift my willingness so, so that I want to do this even when I'm not uh, ingesting substances, but I, but I will take it out into my life. That's transformed me quite a lot, and it's made me more capable of of feeling um, compassion for the human race mm-hmm. and all of its differences and all of um, the negativity. To be able to see that and understand that a lot of that lives inside of me, it makes me um, more capable of allowing and understanding that that's okay, um, yet still capable also of mm-hmm. speaking up when necessary. So I could go down a long list of things that's mm-hmm. helped, but these are like some of the main things. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. improved my cognition. I grew up um, being told that I had learning disabilities, uh, and yet I also was in gate, <laughs> you know, gifted and talented education. So it's like, okay, I've got learning disabilities over here, but, I, but I'm recommended for gate and I'm in gate what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so psychedelics have allowed me to see where my um, limitations are and also how to expand them. Mm. So we kind of hope that everyone who comes to the retreats will discover things about themselves. They'll have improved capacity to witness themselves, the journaling and the questions that they've never been asked before. Mm. Um, we're hoping that this improves their day-to-day baseline of how they observe themselves through those filters just like it did for us and has continued to do for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think people can thank their lucky stars that the two of you have decided to do this and that you're doing this now. Really? Um, uh, I, I know, because I, I, I know you both. I mean, Carlos, we go way, way, way back. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I know that this has transformative power in it. Mm. And uh, I applaud you both for doing this and taking this step and offering this to other people. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So um, I'm excited for you. I'm very proud of you both for, for doing this. This is, a, this is a um, very significant thing to offer the world. So... Um, I'm thanking you for doing it. Thank you. uh, um, So sacredmedicinejourneys.com. Yes. And, and, and uh, if they, if a person comes to our website and just fills out their personal information, um, you know, like an email and a name, contact stuff, um, not only will they get an email that has a download, a link to a downloadable lecture that we gave at, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, HypnoThoughts live convention this last year, um, which is pretty informative. Okay. Uh, but there's also a couple interviews and things like that. And just to be clear, we're not spammers. 
No. <laughs> okay. So there's no one that needs to worry about that. Um, your information, we, we will, when we um, offer a new retreat, we will send an email out letting people know that that's happening and how to contact us for that and how to apply for that. Uh, and that's it. So people who, who join the site can be uh, free of any fears of spamming. We will only put out a um, direct information about our, our website or about our upcoming retreats and and that's it <laughs> beautiful beautiful all right you've been listening to the authenticity show with your hosts carlos casados and satch purcell and very special thanks to our guest jess marion my name is Oliver Altine. I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. Please remember to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on social media. You can find our website at authenticityshow.com. Thanks for listening and have an authentic day. <laughs>